Welcome to the Daily Dose, where we are currently walking through an overview of the entire Bible. Join us today as we learn the story of Scripture and see God's redemptive plan through Christ from cover to cover. Let's listen to Matt Reister, Director of Christian Crusaders and the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. Today we're going to jump into Luke chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 1 through 9, but before I do that, I just want to put a plug in for what we've done over the last 11 episodes. During those episodes, we covered Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, 1 through 20, of course, is the popular Christmas narrative of Jesus' birth that we read over and over again. And these last several days is the first time in my life that I have taken Luke 2 as slowly as we did, and it was a very rich experience for me. And so if you, like me, are mostly only accustomed to looking at Luke chapter 2 at Christmas time, and when you do, plowing through 20 verses at a time, I would encourage you to go back and work your way through those 11 devotions. It'd be a great little mini study for a family to gather around and listen to together or recommend it to a friend. You could pull it out at Christmas time, but I think it might be better outside of the Christmas season. Anyway, just want to put a plug in for that. Not only did I want to put a plug in for Luke chapter 2, but the book of Luke as a whole so far has been awesome. I've really enjoyed it, and so I'm glad you're with us, and I hope you stick with us. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, John the Baptist prepares the way. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Itraria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. That's really an incredible opening two verses to introduce the idea that the word of God came to John the Baptist. Do you remember way back in Luke chapter 1 when he was telling us who he was writing this book for, Theophilus, and why he was writing it. Chapter 1 verse 4 says, so that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And so these two verses to introduce John's ministry are really something. This is not written by somebody who's trying to be vague with timelines so they can pull the wool over the eyes of their readers, hoping that they'll accept this false narrative. Rather, he's giving his readers a bunch of very specific information so they can go check out the validity of what he's writing on their own. Not only was it under the reign of Tiberius Caesar, but Pilate was the governor, Herod was in Galilee, Philip was doing a bunch of other stuff, and Caiaphas and Annas were the high priests. That narrows it down pretty specifically. Luke, the methodical writer and historian, is keeping good on his purpose of writing in such a way that Theophilus and any of the rest of us who've read it since Theophilus can have certainty about the things we've been taught about Jesus, which are included in this book. Verse 3, And John went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is a prophecy from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 40, looking forward to the time when somebody would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. That someone is John. And when it talks about making making paths straight and filling valleys and making mountains low, making crooked places straight and rough places level. It's referring to the idea that the Messiah is going to come expeditiously. The Messiah is going to come without hindrance. It also might be alluding to the fact when it talks about every mountain and hill shall be made low, that those who are haughty, those who are high in their own minds will be brought low, will be humbled. This might be a foreshadowing of what's going to happen with many of the Jewish leaders, scribes, high priests, 
priests, teachers of the law, who are puffed up in their self-righteousness, but are going to be brought low. Verse 7, he said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Boy, there's a lot going on in this passage. And the first thing I want to deal with is that this is not laying out a path to salvation that is works-based. John is not advocating for works-based righteousness. Yes, he does say that anyone who doesn't bear good fruit, in other words, anyone whose lives do not reflect true repentance, then those trees are going to be cut down. But remember what Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. The only way that fruit bearing that is in line with true repentance will happen is if a person is abiding in Christ. So John isn't saying anything here that contradicts salvation being available by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from works. It's important for us not to slip into that false idea because we don't stop to think about what's really behind what John is saying here. Another thing that John is talking about is another thing John is saying, who warned you to come out here and get baptized as if being baptized is going to be what saves you? It's not enough for you to come out here to the Jordan River where I'm giving you a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins, which by the way, isn't the same baptism that we're baptized in Christ with. But John's saying, you got to repent. It's not just about getting in the water and your repentance has to be sincere. And if it's sincere, it's going to show up in the way that you're living. You're going to bear fruit. Another strong point that he makes is he heads off what is going to be a common argument from the people who are critical of John's gospel and who will eventually be critical of Jesus' gospel. It's going to come from Jews who are going to say, well, wait a minute, we're the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's a free ticket in. And John says before they can even bring it up, don't say that. Don't say that because you have Abraham as your father, that somehow you're going to be rewarded for that. Because even in the Old Testament, the reward didn't come to just anybody who was Abraham's seed. It only came to those who had faith in the one true God. Faith, faith, faith. Not family of origin, not religious credentials, not works, faith. The reason I'm hammering that so hard, friends, is because that same false message is being promoted today that suggests that somebody can be saved by some other way than just faith in Christ. That's not true. We're saved by faith alone. There's one other note that I read that I wanted to share that was interesting and I had never heard before. When John calls them a brood of vipers, he's talking about snakes, poisonous snakes. If you go all the way back to Genesis, do you remember the form which Satan showed up in the garden in? He was a serpent or a snake. In some roundabout way, John might be saying, you brood of vipers, in other words, you sons and daughters of Satan, which is a sentiment that will be echoed by Jesus later on. Bottom line is, John, the guy who was prophesied in the Old Testament to be the one that God would send to prepare the way for the Messiah is not playing around. And any of you who've been listening to this podcast for a while and are getting a sense for what I'm all about aren't going to be surprised to hear that I love it. Every one of us could afford to be as clear and as bold and as unabashedly truth-telling as John was. Because the day of judgment is at hand. The axe is laid to the root of the trees. You and I could meet God before we have breakfast tomorrow, whether it be through our own death or through the return of Christ. And we better be ready and our hope better be placed in the right spot. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. 
The Daily Dose is a podcast of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, share with a friend, and prayerfully consider financially supporting our ministry at christiancrusaders.org, where you can also find our weekly 30-minute radio broadcast, which is aired on stations around the world since 1936, and where you can listen to our Conversations podcast featuring inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. Special thanks to our 2022 Daily Dose sponsor, The Family Leader. God designed three social institutions to shape our lives the family, the church, and government. At The Family Leader, they're bringing all three together to honor God and bless our neighbors. Learn how and join them at thefamilyleader.com. That's thefamilyleader.com. We also want to highlight two ministry partners. First is the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, whose conference videos and schedule events are available at cedarfallsbibleconference.com. And please consider joining us for their 101st annual conference from Saturday, July 30th through Saturday, August 6th in 2022. Second, if you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online Christian mentor, please visit issuesiface.com, which is provided by Power to Change Digital Strategies. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.